0: Brag a little bit. Um, we have had so many people sick as you know so many people with different things going on um, of course COVID and then also other things um, you know operations and so on and you know I get a lot of that through the office and in my emails and so forth and realm just like the rest of you and many of you and what I have just been so blessed to see is how the body of Christ has been ministering to each other without anyone having to tell anyone to do it, people have been providing meals, people have been giving rides, people have been offering financial help, have been offering just practical help, have been praying for each other, and that's all you guys. So I just feel like we need to give ourselves an applause because you all are amazing. Um, Thank you. and. And for all of you online, I know we've got some some people online now tonight who are a little sick, or they are wondering if they're sick, or um, around people who are sick. Um, we just bless you and thank you too that you're there. If you are not feeling well, if you need anything, please just raise up a little flag. And this body of Christ is here for you. We are your, we are a family, and I'm just so blessed to see all that. So let me just say a quick prayer for those of us that are not feeling well. Lord, we we know we have members of our body who are not feeling well, who are wondering if they have COVID, even if they don't, they still don't feel well, Lord, so I just pray for healing, I pray for healing over each person who is struggling right now, um, and anybody that's harboring anything, even in this room, Lord, just heal, Lord, we pray for your Holy Spirit to come, let us pass through this particular part of the pandemic, Lord, let us pass through it into, into freedom, into light, into, into health, Lord, so I just pray that in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, this morning we are gonna continue in our series of A God for All People, and we're gonna focus, a little, take a little turn from the last message two weeks ago, which was on justice, and we're gonna turn to the all people part, that God is a God for all people. Now, I don't know how many of you ever watched the movie The Stepford Wives. Anybody watch that movie? Um, I, I understand that the 2004 version was not very good. It got panned the, by the critics, so I didn't watch that one. The, the one you got to watch is the 1975 one, the old one, okay? It's real grainy, um, but uh, this is a creepy sci-fi thriller, okay? It's just, it's real creepy, and the 75 one is great. And the story is about a woman and her husband who move to a little suburban town in Connecticut, and when they move in, they see all the women. She's a little bit surprised that all the women seem very alike To each other and they're all very housewifey and obedient and docile they love they talk about doing laundry like it's the best thing in the world and you know they're and they're all alike and and she just thinks it's a little odd none of them seem to have any ambition outside of just doing whatever their husbands need and all this and so she's a little worried about it or just thinks it's odd and then two of her friends who moved there at the same time she did and who weren't like that went away for a special romantic weekend with their husbands and came back docile and with no ambition anymore and just wanted to just take care of the home and not do anything else and obedient to their husbands. And, and, and she was like, something's wrong here. So the whole movie is, goes through a whole thing of her figuring out what's happening. Something's not right. And um, spoiler alert, okay, I'm gonna tell you what it is. So if you don't wanna know, close your ears. You know, she finds out that they're all being turned into robots that the wives are being the the husbands are making robots of their wives um that and I, i assume disposing of the original wives and so that they will have someone who just does whatever they need and is just happy to serve them in the home and never has any other thought to themselves and um you know what happens to the woman uh i won't tell you that but it's a chilling ending at least of the 1975 version i don't know about the 2004 But I ask you, I mean, does a husband really want a robot wife who will just do anything he says, who never has an opinion, never has a thought, never has any ambition, who's never nothing unique, just like every other woman? Does he really want that? Don't answer that, men. It's a rhetorical question. I want you to really go home with your wives today. I mean, it's funny as a joke, right? I don't know about robot husbands. Now, there's an idea. No, no, no. Just kidding. Just kidding. It's funny as a joke, but in reality no one would ever want a wife or, or a husband who was just programmed to just do whatever they wanted, who never had a thought of their own, who never had any opinions or ambitions. There was no uniqueness, who was just like every other wife or husband. Nobody wants that. We want someone who will love us freely and and who will have creativity and uniqueness. And you know what? God is the same way. <laughs> He doesn't want us to be just robots who follow him, who have no ideas or individuality. There's no uniqueness. He loves diversity. He loves creativity. And how do I know this? Well, because he made us. Have you looked around? Have you looked around at what God made? God created a diverse people, and God loves diversity. And that's what we're going to be talking today, about diversity. And how do we know that he loves it? Well, we look at creation, And in the Bible, in Genesis 127, it says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. I want you to just think about that because the implications of this are amazing. It means that every single person in this planet reflects a little bit of our creator. Reflects a little bit of the nature of God. And I want us to just be amazed for a minute at the amazing creativity and diversity of God. What he has created through this world. I looked up, you know, all the, the, the most influential cultures of the world. They list 28 of them. And I was surprised the ones that have influenced most in terms of language and art and architecture and all this. And, and I looked at all this list of different cultures and I thought how different they all are. Because you have, you know, the European cultures, which you think of as one set of cultures, but they're actually all different too, right? You've got Italian and, and Greek and French and German and English. That's all different, right? All different cultures within Europe. But then you've got African cultures, Ethiopia, Egypt, South Africa, Sierra Leone, all these different places in Africa. And then you've got Asia, China, Japan, Korea, um, you know, Polynesia, all, all the, Indonesia, all these different places, With all these different cultures, you've got South America, Mexico, Peru, Brazil, the U.S., of course, and the Americas and Canada. All these different cultures, different languages, different ways of being, different traditions, different foods, different thoughts, all being lived out by millions and millions and millions of people. It's amazing to think that they all reflect a little bit of the image of God all reflect a little bit of him, that God looks like that, he sounds like that, he feels like that of all these people. This is, we're seeing reflections of him. And what follows from this, and this is what's really unique about the Christian faith, is that I, our, our, our faith embraces and welcomes that diversity. It's, we're unique among the major religions of the world. If you look at a religion like Islam, it is primarily focused around a particular culture, the Arabic culture. In fact, to read the Quran properly, you have to read it in Arabic. You can read it in translation, but that's not the right way to read it. To be in the Jewish faith, you generally are born Jewish. You are born into that culture genetically and and, um, culturally, you've lived in that. There are people that convert into it, but it's rare. Mostly it is based around Jewish people. If you look at Hinduism, it is mostly based in in Nepal and India primarily. So most of the religions tend to be focused, very culturally situated, but Christianity is noticeably very different, isn't it? I mean, there's Russian Christians, and then there's, there's European Christians, and there's American Christians, and African Christians, and every kind, Arabic Christians. There's every kind of Christian, and every one of them fully embracing the message of Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world, but in their own culture, in their own language, in their own way. This is the glory of our faith, in a way, that God said, I don't want this to be limited to one culture. I want it to be for all people. He's a God for all people. And it's easy to think sitting here in Greensboro, North Carolina and our sweet Southern church that the way we do church, the the songs and the way we sit and how long it is and how I preach and all this stuff, we tend to think this is how we do church. This is the right way. There's a lot of other ways to do church, people. A lot of other ways to do church. And if you go to any of these other countries, you'll find that even if you just go up to New York, it's a little different. So uh, God is a God of diversity. And this is the wonder of our faith and it's also the challenge. Because it'd be a heck of a lot easier, wouldn't it? If we all did it one way. If there was just one right way to do it, one type of music, one type of song, one type of preaching, one type of mission. But there isn't. God has given us a diverse faith. So, so we wanna reflect that diversity in our community, in our church, we wanna reflect that. We are in a diverse city, Greensboro is a diverse city, we wanna reflect that here. And you know, Paul and I got talking about that and we, we we were saying, you know, is it worth it, right? Some of us might think, you know, why do we bother to have to be diverse? Like, what difference does it make? Why shouldn't a church just be what it is? And, and if it's diverse, great. If it's not, great. You know, we're all just worshiping Jesus. So what difference does it make? Why pursue diversity? Is it important for us to, to pursue diversity? And I think there's a couple reasons that it is important for us to pursue it. The first is that it teaches us about God. Just as I mentioned before, every different person, uh, the diversity of mankind reflects the diverse nature of God, so it follows that unless we get to know other people and how they see God, we are gonna only see a very limited part of who God is. We're gonna only understand him according to our own way, our own culture, our own upbringing, and we're we're gonna miss out on how so many other people look at God and worship God. Different aspects of God resonate with different people and with different people groups. Some cultures focus on Jesus as a personal savior setting me free from my personal sins. That's, some cultures focus on that, but other cultures focus on Jesus as the person who sets free the people, the people of God who is a savior of the oppressed and of the hurting and of the suffering. Two different ways of looking at the salvation that God brings. Some people groups look at God as being primarily a God of order, that things are done in order, they're done on time, and others feel that no, God is, is, is a spirit and the spirit flows as it will, and so we're gonna let the spirit move. And by the way, if you're in one of those churches, you just you know don't plan to go home on Sunday, right? You just go as long as the spirit leads. There's other churches and other cultures who focus more on the reverence of God and the traditions of the saints. Looking back and history and seeing how the the early church fathers and and all the saints through the ages have worshiped him and they continue in those traditions that those are very important and very valuable. And others say, no, God is a God of a new thing and God's always bringing a new spirit and so we follow him that way and we wanna always look for something new that he's doing. You see how these are all good. These are all important. They give us a better picture of God. This is what we learn from each other when we have diversity. But diversity also teaches us about humanity, teaches us this about each other. Every one of us lives in a bubble of some kind. We may have traveled the world potentially, but we still live primarily in our own bubble, whether it is the bubble of high income or low income or urban or suburban or out in the country, whether we have big families, little families, whether we have whatever language, ethnicity, foods. We tend to live somewhat in our own cultural bubble, and in diversity, we are able to see that there's more, that there's more outside of what we're comfortable with, what we know, and, and we see people as they are, and we're able to love people in a deeper way, in a fresher way, in a, in a wider and more colorful way. It's not just enjoying other ethnicities, foods and, and music, which is, of course, part of it, but it's more understanding how do other cultures, people from other cultures, other races, other ethnicities, how do they think What's important to them? What, what makes their heart beat? What makes them weep? What makes them rejoice? I wanna know that about all the people of God's earth because this is how we understand and love one another. We, we broaden ourselves, we, we, we get out of our narrowness and we can rejoice in that. Paul and I have a friend up in New York who comes from a very large extended Italian New York family. Italian New Yorkers are a, a, a beast of their own. Uh, and, and so he has a very large extended family. And they are all about gathering. Gathering and eating Food and family all the time, all the, all, every day, all the time. So it's, you know, every time there's a, a christening, a communion, a confirmation, a graduation. If there's a birthday, if there's just, it's just any day, if it's a Sunday, they all gather all the time. And they get together and there's lots of food, lots and lots of pasta, and lots of gravy. Not gravy like you guys put on your biscuits down here gravy is the nice red pasta italian sauce that grandma makes that's the gravy and there's a lot of pasta and there's a lot of gravy my good friends who are not italian went to visit this this italian friend of ours his family he invited them to join them for easter dinner and they thought great easter dinner you go to easter service you go have easter dinner you have some appetizers for an hour or so then you have dinner in are home by 6 30. not so much <laughs> not in the big Italian family. So they get there and they put out appetizers and then there's lots of talking and laughing and then there's more appetizers and then there's talking and laughing and then there's wine being poured and then there's talking and laughing. And she's texting me through this whole thing and she says, it's six o'clock, we've been here for four hours and they're just starting to cook the bank course." <laughs> what's the rush we're all together why are you hurrying eat 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 i mean this is how we do it in the big italian families there's no reason to rush they're there all day all night how beautiful how different and how beautiful and you know we learn a lot from this kind of a family-centered gathering culture more than just about eating but we learn how in that culture the individual helps the the family that their successes are not important just in and of themselves, but in how much they can give to the community and to the family. They're there for each other no matter what. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. We can learn so much from each other, can't we? We can learn so much from each other. Yeah. And diversity, I'll, I'll step out on a limb here. The diversity also helps us understand why in certain situations in our world, people react one way or the other. We have seen this in spades over the last couple of years, haven't we? I mean, I had friends who wept for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks after George Floyd died in uh, 2020. Weeks and weeks. And I had other friends who were, were very saddened by it. It was a terrible thing to have happened, but kind of were saddened and went on with their life. Why? Why do we have such different reactions to a situation like that? Why do we have a different reaction um, when... when Things like Black Lives Matter come up, and some people are so passionate about it, for it, and some people are so passionate against it. Or how about gay pride, or how about um, Me Too? Why do we have such different reactions, even in the body of Christ? I want to understand that. I don't want to just get defensive and hang on to my thought about it. I want to understand, why, why are you reacting that way? Well, that's not my immediate reaction. I want to learn from my brothers and sisters in Christ, and then I want to feel it with you. I want to walk it with you. I don't want to stay where I am. I want to broaden and understand. Does that make sense to us, church, this morning, that we can learn from one another, even by, in things that, that we get passionate about, but we can still learn from others because we are all different. We are all made beautifully in the nature, in the nature and the image of God. And you know, there's nothing easy about this. (laughs) We're gonna be stretched a little bit. The more diverse we are, the more we will be stretched. No question. But the last thing I wanna say about diversity, why we want it, it, is because it reflects the kingdom of God. This is maybe the biggest reason. Uh, We learn about God, we learn about each other, but we also realize that this is what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is a big, diverse, beautiful place. Many colors, many languages, and you and I are part of that. If you and I are meant to be people of the kingdom here on this earth, be a witness of the kingdom here on earth, then we have got to get out of our narrow understanding of our own life and our own preferences and our own way of looking at God. We've got to expand because the the kingdom of God is a big, wide, beautiful place with lots of beautiful people, very different from you and from me. So this is what we do. This This is what we wanna be here at Gate City Vineyard and I wanna say to you this morning, That whoever you are, whether you're here in this room, whether you're online or watching this later, whoever you are, whatever culture you come from, whatever ethnicity, whatever language, whatever experiences you have, would you please bring them to the table? Would you come? You are welcome. This is a safe place for us to be, whoever we are, to bring all that diversity, all that beauty to this place. And we don't want to just add little bits of other cultures to some main dominant culture. No, we are all together the people of God because we want this to be a church for all people because we have a God for all people. Amen? Yeah. We, are a, we have a God for all people. Yeah. So come, come and bring who you are to the table. We're going to rejoice in it. I want to read to you a quote from Ruben Quintero who's a pastor of Imperial Valley Vineyard in El Centro, California. He says this, diversity in the kingdom of God is like a potluck. You bring what you love and you share it freely, and at the same time, you're able to taste from everyone's dishes for free so you can appreciate and let them know how good they are. I thought that was great. He goes on to say that being part of the vineyard, and this is a vineyard value, by the way, is bringing to our conversations and to our relationships who we are, what we think, and what we love. It's not fighting about which one's best or trying to promote one over the other, but to appreciate everyone's flavor. I say amen to that. Amen to that. Now, the second piece of this is we don't just want diversity, but we need to have unity in the diversity. There is a trick. (laughs) Um, It's interesting. If you read Galatians 3.28, the Apostle Paul is actually assuming diversity in the church. It says in Galatians 3.28, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor there is male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. See, there already were Jews and Gentiles and male and female and slave or free in the church. It was already there. But he's reminding us, you're one now. You're one not only before God and loved by him and saved by his grace and equal in the kingdom, but you're you're meant to be as one. You're meant to operate as one. Um, He expects us, God expects us with our differences to live in unity. And, uh, you know, if you look at John 17, this is Jesus' prayer for his church, a beautiful, beautiful priestly prayer for his church. And this is what he says, starting in, in verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. Talking about us, the, 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 the people. Well, actually, the next one is about us. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. So he's praying for the disciples, but also for us, those who believe through the disciples' message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me that they may be brought to complete unity. Notice how many times he's saying one, 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 unity. Uh, Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Whenever you see words repeated in scripture, it is something we are meant to take note of. They are not wasted words. He wants us to be in unity. Is God crazy? <laughs> I mean, it is hard enough to be in unity as a church, even when everybody's kind of all the same, right? <laughs> I've been in enough homogenous churches to know that we can fight about all manner of things. <laughs> we don't need diversity to be fighting about things and arguing over the color of the carpet and the pastor or the music, right? We, it's hard enough, and yet... Now he says, no, I want you to, I want you to reflect my, the beauty and the color of my kingdom, diversity, who I am, the image of God, and I want you to be unified as you do it. This is hard. This is why some people go to other churches, they go to other places, they start their own churches because they want people that just think exactly like them on all the issues. The pastor tells you, this is how you vote, this is how you should be. That's, that's, that's why people go, that's... And it, it is easier, no question, it's easier. But I just want you to know that that's not where we want to be at Gate City Vineyard, okay? We want to be a place where there can be many diverse opinions, many diverse thoughts. To love one another, to listen to one another, to seek to understand one another. That we believe that the church should be different, that we should be able to have intelligent dialogues and hear one another Maybe not necessarily agree on everything, but that we hear and we walk with one another and we start to bear one another's burdens and we start to weep with those who weep and we, we start to, to stand in each other's corner. Does that make sense to us this morning? To bear one another's burdens. In this area of unity and diversity, the church should stand out. In fact, Scripture's pretty clear, it's the mark of the church. It's the mark of the true church. If we can't do this, I don't know, if we should call ourselves Christians. Because it says at the end of that John 17 passage, they may be brought to complete unity. Why? Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. See, this is, this is why we do it, because it proves that God sent us. See, it's not, it's not humanly that easy to be in unity with people very different from you. But in Jesus, all things are possible, amen? Amen. And so he wants us to be in unity. This is how we show. By this, it says in John 13, by this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. By this, by this. And this is not just a kind of surface unity that we just gloss over our differences and say, well, we'll just agree to disagree and never talk about it. No, this is, this is deeper. It's saying, I'm going to begin to walk with you and hear your heart. And you're going to hear my heart and we're going to begin to walk together. We're going to bend to each other. Just like you do in a good marriage, you don't always agree on everything, but you bend to each other, you give, you start to hear, you start to bear each other's burdens, amen? So this is, this is where we want to be as a church. And so I'm gonna give you a couple of practical things that we can do as a church that will help us as we start to walk this road of saying, how can we be a more diverse church, but also a church that walks in unity even in our diversity, all right? So we're gonna talk about how do we become a church for all people. And the first one sounds easy, but it's also not so easy. And it's to create welcome. To create welcome through what I like to call radical hospitality. Radical hospitality. To be a church that welcomes everyone. That everyone feels comfortable when they walk in this place. Welcomed just as they are. Um, Vineyard is a very come as you are kind of church. Right? It's kind of movement. Just come as you are. We want everyone, whether with a disability, with a different ethnicity, a different language, to feel comfortable walking in. A very sort of obvious example, is how welcomed would a person in a wheelchair feel if we didn't have the wheelchair ramp out there? They can't get in, right? Now every church is required to now, but there was a time when it wasn't. It's, it's, it's a welcoming thing to say, we're gonna make sure there's an accommodation for you because of your disability. Maybe a less obvious one is how welcoming is it if you walk in and everybody in, on stage and everybody who speaks and everybody who plays you know, an instrument or prays or anything, if every single person was a male or maybe even was a white male, how, do, how comfortable do you see, how welcomed would a woman feel in that church? How welcomed would a person of color feel in that church? Right? There's things we do that can create a sense of welcome and things we do that can create a sense of unwelcome I recently read an interesting comment about this from Acts 13. I hadn't really thought about the fact that the early church dealt with this too, clearly. um, And there's a wonderful book called Building a Healthy Multi-Ethnic Church, written by Mark DeMaz. And he talks about diversity in church leadership, and I thought this was fascinating. He quotes from Acts 13.1. So let me just read you. This is, this is one of those little verses that you just skip over and you never even think anything of because they're just like descriptive. It's like the genealogy. is like, okay, whatever, and then you move on. This is, this is what it says, Acts 13:1. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manon, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Just an ordinary list of people. He points out that the leaders in this early church in Antioch, now Antioch, mind you, was pretty much the first, it wasn't the first church, the first church was in Jerusalem, but it was like the second, it was the one that they were first called Christians, a very important church. He says that these leaders in this early church in Antioch were listed not just by name, but by ethnicity, as if that was an important point about them. Notice, the one who was called Niger was, would have been from Niger, that's why he was called that, so that's from in West Africa. Uh, and Cyrene, as on the northern coast of Africa, then Manan, as a friend of Herod, would have been from Palestine or possibly Samaria. Barnabas, we already know, was from the island of Cyprus, and Paul was from the Roman city of Tarsus in Asia Minor. Fascinating, right? So he says this about it. The point is made. Luke has listed the five leaders of the church at Antioch not only by gifting and role, but significantly by ethnicity as well. Surely it is more than coincidental that two of these men were from Africa, One was from the Mediterranean, one was from the Middle East, and one was from Asia Minor. I love that. So there's a scriptural precedent for us being intentional about diversity in our leadership, in our ministries. This is something that God desires. He designed it from the very start in his church, and it's something that he desires from us. It's part of creating radical welcome. For anyone who comes, That they see someone who looks like them, who understands them and their culture. So it's such an important thing. And you know, there are lots of other ways to create radical welcome as well, um, whether it's in the songs we sing, the foods we offer, the way we conduct services, the, the um, way we talk about ourselves, which leads to an idea that I, you know, I've had to struggle with myself. I, I think we all do. Is this idea that we have that there's kind of like default church. Default church is what I'm used to, what I'm comfortable with, what I think is like the right way to do church. Everything else is nice. It's fine for other people, but like default church is, is my way, is the way that I think is kind of the right way. It's the way we've always done it. Um, most of us probably have a, a default church in the back of our mind, even if we don't acknowledge it. Um, if i'm in a white evangelical church default church means three songs by a contemporary praise band about a 30 to 40 minute no longer sermon and get me out of here in 75 minutes or less that's pretty much the default white evangelical church mode you can go to most churches in the in the in the americas and there'll be uh, something like that if i'm in an african-american church though the default church is much more loose and, and and spontaneous we are led by the spirit the sermons are longer the prayers are longer Be ready to stay there for a little bit longer. We had a Korean church that met in our church uh, building many years ago and our church up north, and their right way was completely different from all of that. Their right way was a choir, a very traditional choir, three songs, a choir, a long sermon that was very, very biblical and intellectual. And then they ended, and they had food all afternoon kind of like the italians they had food all afternoon cooking korean food the the smell of kimchi wafted through the building all day uh if you had a meeting at five o'clock boy you could smell it uh in the church and that was default church for them anything else felt weird default church in the early church in ad 70 or so the time of the church at antioch would have been even more different right small church in someone's home probably Pretty long sermon, lots of prayer, some acapella hymns perhaps. So we all have this sense of like what's default church. And so I think that radical welcome for us, particularly as we pursue diversity, is going to not rigidly hold on to one right way. And this is, this is harder than it sounds. It's harder than it sounds. I can remember many years ago, um, our church in New York, made a very well-meaning attempt to be more multicultural. We were trying (laughs) to be a little bit more multicultural. And so what we did was we um, would occasionally sing a song in Spanish or do like an African song. Um, Once in a while a missionary would come and do some, bring some things from the culture wherever they were being a missionary to, to kind of give us like a multicultural feel. And I'm going to be super honest with you right now. My feeling about that when I would be in the congregation, just experiencing this, I'd say, oh, that's really nice. That's kind of quaint. And when can we get back to real church? It just didn't feel normal, right? It's not normal for me to sing worship in Zulu and and, and other languages. And so it wasn't comfortable for me and so I fell prey to that attitude that, you know, the way I'm comfortable is kind of the right and normal way and everything else is a little abnormal. (laughs) It's it's a little weird. And so I just, I'm, I'm vulnerable with you like that to say that when we seek to be diverse and when we seek to welcome all that sometimes it's gonna shake us a little bit out of our comfort zone, just a little bit. Um, it's, you know, we're not gonna become a, a Russian church. You know? We're not in Russia, but we are in a very diverse community. We, we want to welcome that diversity, so we are gonna be shaken a little bit out of our comfort zone. And um, maybe it helps to realize that we're not alone. I think the apostle Peter also had to be shaken out of his comfort zone. I don't think it was very comfortable at all for him to have Gentiles come into his church That is not the way it went when you were a Jewish person back in those days. uh, The Gentiles didn't have a part with the people of God. They didn't come into church. Certainly, they shouldn't mess with the way we worship and what we do and why are we here. In fact, a Jewish person wasn't even supposed to go into a Gentile house. But if you look at this story in Acts, I'm not going to go into it in detail, but it's a great the whole journey that Peter goes on in Acts. God has to show up big time for him, all sorts of miracles and special words, to get him to go into this house a Gentile house, mind you, walk in there, start preaching the gospel. They all get saved and filled with the Holy Spirit to make matters worse. And I love his response. It's sort of understated given how incredibly amazing this transition was for him. This is what he says in Acts 10, 34 35. He says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favor to them, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. He had to change his mind right then and there about what worship was supposed to look like, who was supposed to be part of worship, how do we do it, uh, uh, diversity, worship, everything he knew about faith and God's people was shaken up. And in the process, he stumbled across an uncomfortable truth, which is that worship of God is not about me. (laughs) It's not about what I want. It's about God. It's about his people gathering together in unity, in unity together. Mark DeMoss in in that book about building a healthy, multi-ethnic church puts it this way, a healthy, multi-ethnic church is a place in which people are comfortable being uncomfortable. So that's a challenge for us, isn't it? We're gonna be doing something interesting this winter and spring. Uh, we want to really be looking at Gates City Vineyard. How welcoming are we? I think we're very welcoming in many, many ways. So uh, this is by no means a, you know, a rebuke, but we're gonna look, how can we be more welcoming of people of other cultures, of other languages? How can we make this a place where every person, even a person with a disability, with some other thing that makes them sort of different, how can we be a place that is welcoming? And uh, we want to look and see if there's any barriers that we might inadvertently put up to people uh, who are of different cultures and languages and ethnicities and so on. We want to make sure that we are not doing anything. And so we're going to be starting um, a group. This is very much, this was mentioned at the Vineyard National Conference. It's very much a part of our Vineyard DNA. We're going to start a group called um, a Diversity Working Group and Melinda Graham is going to sort of coordinate that but there's going to be we want to involve many of you in this group we want to have a very big cross-section of people in it and the idea behind this group is to just assess where we are how how welcoming are we and hopefully what will come out of that is some very practical things that we can do to be more welcoming to be more welcoming of more people that people would walk in this door and they would say oh I feel at home here this is not me walking into something different or some culture I don't feel comfortable with. They're, they're welcome no matter who they are. And so that's, that's the goal of this group. Um, there'll be more details on this to come, but I just want you to be praying about this. I'm excited because I, I, she's gonna be talk, she and the group will be talking to many of you, I'm sure, about how welcome you have felt as you have come here and how welcome have visitors felt when they have come in this place. This is so important. When people come into a church, they, they make a judgment in about the first day about the first five minutes, 10 minutes, about whether they want to stay, whether they're really welcome here. And we want to be a place that is welcoming and healthy for all people, a safe place. So I'm going to ask you to be in prayer for this group. If the Lord's stirring something in your heart right now about that, that you say, oh, you know, I, I'm, I wonder if I'm supposed to be part of that. You can talk to me, you can talk to Melinda, um, and there will be more about that to come. So that's the first way, is we create welcome. We create radical hospitality for those who come Our church. A second way we can become a church for all people, and this gets a little bit more direct to each one of us, is that we can start to expand our friend base. We need to expand our friend base to people who don't necessarily think just like we do, look just like we do. Gino Olson is a vineyard pastor at South Suburban Vineyard Church in Chicago, and he talks about that narrowness that comes when we're in a pool of sameness, when we're only with people very like us. We can't learn to appreciate and love others different than us because we, don't, we just don't know any. We don't know anybody who's different. And so he says, change the pool. Change the pool that you're in. Start to expand the space the pool. It gives you a value for different people. When we get to know people um, who are different than us, then suddenly we're challenged by our own thoughts and our own assumptions about life and about people and family, and and we're broadened. This is how we become a a more diverse person. And it's not just, you know, surface knowing, but it's becoming friends. It's doing things together. It's serving together. Um, Getting out of ministry together. Going out for coffee together. Begin to share hearts. Bear one another's burdens and love each other. And I will say this as just, uh, since we live in such a social media world, if you're a person that's on social media a lot and loves to put out lots of opinions on social media, that's all great, but I hope before you do that that you have two or three friends who completely disagree with you, that you've talked with, that you've spent time with, that you've loved on, that they've loved on you. Because it changes us. It changes us when we're with other people. We start to become a little less strident. The Bible talks about this. I love a couple of Proverbs about um, wisdom seeking other views, he says in Proverbs 18, two, fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions, <laughs> if that's not a description of social media today, I don't know what is, but we don't want to be fools, right, we want to pursue understanding before airing our opinions, In Proverbs twenty seven seventeen, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another, what do you think, can we do that? Can we befriend some people who are not like us? Can we expand our pool of friends? We don't necessarily have to end up agreeing with one another on every point, but I feel like I'm better, even if I fully disagree with someone, I'm better as long as I feel like I've been heard, and seen, and loved, and understood. And if you still come away and you don't think about things the same way I do, that's fine, God bless, and we love each other but we've walked with each other, we've heard each other's heart, and and when you're weeping about something, even if it might not necessarily touch my heart in the same way it touches yours, I'm gonna weep with you. I'm gonna weep with you because it means something to you and you're my brother and my sister in Christ. One more quote from Gino Olson, the, the Chicago Vineyard pastor, which I think is so good. He says, when you seek understanding, which is not the same as agreement, So we're not necessarily always going to agree. When you ask questions, when you allow people to be the experts of their own experiences and their own pain, their cultural reality, when you understand something, someone, then you talk with them and about them differently. See, at the end of the day, diversity really isn't our final goal. Solidarity and unity is. That is standing with one another, caring about the things our brothers and sisters care about. So finally, when we become a church for all people, when we keep is when we to become a church for all people is when we keep the main thing, the main thing. Our uh, early founder John Wimber like to say that keep the main thing, the main thing. What's the main thing? The main thing is Jesus. <laughs> so at the end of the day, we have to remember that we are people of the kingdom and Jesus is our unity. Okay, we don't have to have a lot of agreement on other things, but Jesus is our unity. He's the center of it all. We're saved by grace. You and I are saved by grace, and so are a whole lot of other people very different from us, all saved by grace, all going to see Jesus one day. And so it's like you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. And our, the family of God is sometimes frustratingly diverse, <laughs> frustratingly different, but oh, beautiful. Beautiful to God, made in his image. Every person reflecting the image and glory of God. Hallelujah. What a beautiful thing. Hallelujah. So we're meant to love. This is how we stand out from the world, is when we love one another. And we may be not always agreeing, but we should always work on understanding. So this is our witness to the world um, That when they see us, they see us loving one another, walking together, um, not disputing, not fighting, understanding, listening. This is love, it's respect, and bearing one another's burdens. Last quote from Mark Dimas, in an increasingly connected yet stubbornly sectarian world, it is time to recognize that there's no greater tool for evangelism than the witness of diverse believers walking, working, and worshiping God together as one and through the local church. That's what we are aiming for. That's what we pray for Gate City Vineyard Church. We can be that. We can be that. I opened up with the question, why should we seek diversity? And I gave you some answers, and some of you might have thought I left out the best one. The best reason why we should pursue diversity is because that's what heaven's going to be like. Does anybody realize that? that when we get to heaven, there's a lot of diversity up there. (laughs) And we might as well get used to it down here. Let's not have it be a surprise when we get up there. Um, We have a short time here on earth, and yet we're gonna spend a lot more time up in heaven. I love this passage, which I wanna close us with, Revelation 7, 9 to 10. This is in heaven, the end of time. At this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude no one could count. From every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. I can't wait for that moment. And we're not going to all be alike. We're not going to be like Stepford Wives robots, are we? I find it fascinating that God didn't just decide to make one language in heaven. Like, why not? Like, that would be much easier, right? Like a heavenly language or something. No, he kept all the languages. He's kept all the tribes and the nations. How interesting. I assume we'll have like a translator bee in our ear or something so we can understand each other. But how cool is that? There's gonna be every color and nation and tribe and language and person and personality and and, and all of us will be gathered together and Jesus will be the focus. Jesus will be what we care about. Jesus will be who we worship. Can we catch a little bit of that kingdom focus right now, church? Can we become people who together join together and love Jesus and serve him and seek him above all other things? that we are not colorblind, but we're colorful. We're full of the colors of the kingdom, even here on earth. I want us to have that color here in our, in our church. Let's show radical hospitality. Let's, let's welcome every person who comes, every difference, every new view, every new way of doing things, and let's, let's welcome them. Let's, let's come together, bring what you have to the table. Let's welcome who comes to our table. Here at Gate City Vineyard Church, let's expand our pool, all right? Let's, let's start to talk to people who think differently than we do. Let's start to love them. Let's start to see how others tick. Let's, let's begin to widen out the people that we choose to spend time with. And let's begin to bear one another's burdens, to hear hearts and to share hearts, to love the image of God that's in each and every one of us. Lord God, this is not an easy word. And yeah, there's, I suppose there's a way we could be doing this easier. Lord, if we didn't seek it, if we didn't seek diversity, if we didn't seek that, but we know that that's not your heart, Lord. Your kingdom is diverse and colorful and beautiful. And so I just pray for us as a body today that we would be a people with open hearts, open hearts to you and open hearts to one another. Lord God, you are a beautiful God. You have made your creation so beautiful because it reflects you. And so we're going to sing. We're going to sing about how beautiful you are because that that reminds us how beautiful everything you have made is. And so right now we just want to take a moment and even just repent of the way that we might have resisted Other thoughts, other ways of doing things, other cultures maybe even, other uh, people who have have a different viewpoint than us. Lord, we just repent of that. We just lay that down. We don't want to, to resist one another. We want to embrace one another. So help us to be an embracing people. Open up our minds and our hearts to you, Lord. And to the beauty of who you are and who you have made us all to be. I'm going to go ahead and sing this song together. If you need prayer, we invite you to come up. There will be people at the prayer stations to pray with you. But I want us to sing and let the Lord speak to us about his beauty and the beauty of the creation that he has made.